Hey, good morning. Are you ready to go to another level this morning? Two people. That is very good. Well, Jack was, I'll just talk to Jack. We are finishing up our series called Be Rich, and we've been looking at how can we be rich through how we give, through how we serve, and through how we love. Uh, the whole point of this series is not about, you know, how can we be rich through what we acquire, but how can we be rich through the things that we have acquired? How can we give of ourselves and of our times and of our resources to actually make a difference um, in our communities and in uh, the lives of people that we come into contact with? And if you want to catch up on anything um, on this series, you can go to fbcnext.com and just click on the catch up um, page there. And you can watch all of the previous messages from this series. You can listen to or watch um, past messages as well from other series. Uh, and there's discussion questions that you can use just to remind yourself of some of the stuff that we've done. Maybe you're in a small group, a connect group. You can use those um, there. But there's also another thing that we've created along this series, uh, fbcnext.com slash mynextstep, uh, where we've just pulled together a few resources, some Bible studies, some other things that you can do to go a little bit deeper into the stuff that we've done here. So if you want to take that and go to another level, take that to another level, then we really encourage you um, to go to that page, My Next Step. And on there, you'll find information about a real practical way where you can be rich and live out the stuff that we're talking about. And that's happening in a couple of Sundays time. Um, at the end of March, the 29th um, of March, we have a community action day. We're joining with uh, a local community to take part in the litter pick that happens across Finchampster. So we'll be doing that. We'll be having bacon buddies um, coming in, going out and blessing our community. Uh, but we've also got um, a number of organisations that we're partnered with who do some amazing stuff locally. We'll be here and you'll be, have an opportunity to chat with them about what they do, find out a little bit more about who they are. And maybe as a result of that, you'd want to get involved in volunteering for them or giving and supporting them in that way. So really encourage you to do that. That's the 29th of March. So we won't have two services at 9 and 11. The whole morning will be this action day. So come along to that. And that's a great way to be rich. And the reason we've called this series Be Rich is based on um, something that a guy called Paul, who was one of the leaders in the early church, wrote lots of the letters in the New Testament. He um, instructed this guy called Timothy. Paul was mentoring Timothy. Um, Timothy was a, a young leader in the church as well. And Paul said this um, to Timothy, command those who are rich. And that's a key thing to, to recognize. If you have a household income of 25,000 or more a year, you are in the top 1% of earners in the world. So for all of us, or most of us, we are rich. And I know sometimes we don't feel it, but actually the reality is that we are rich. So this applies to us. Command all those who are rich in this present world to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. And that's what we're talking about throughout this whole series. And as we land that this morning, I want to ask you this question. How's your love life? How's your love life? I'm sure for many of you, that's not been a question that you've been asked for a long time, and that's probably a good reason you've not been asked for that. But if I start shape, shape, how's your love life? You know, I'm sure we might have some interesting conversations uh, and things from, from there. I'm not going to ask my daughter that question, so that's, that's fine. Uh, sorry. How's your, how's your love life? Um, you know, love is a big deal. Uh, so many books have been written about love. So many films are made about love. So many stories and so many songs are all all about love. The Beatles famously said, All you need is love. All you need is love. And maybe you're like, well, Chris, I get that love is a big deal, but why do we always have to talk about it? Why do we always have to sing about it? Why is there always films about it? What is the big deal with love? Maybe you, you associate and you feel aligned to Tina Turner when she asked the question, 
what's love got to do with it? You know, why do I, every time I turn on the TV or I open Spotify or whatever it is, I read a book, why is it always about love? What's love got to do with it? Why are we talking about love in church? Well, love um, is central to the Christian faith. The Christian faith is all about love. It's all about knowing God and growing in a relationship um, with God, discovering who he is. And if you were only given one word to describe God, if you were only given one word to define God, the best word that we could use is love. God is love. To know God is to know love. To not know God is to not know love. There was a guy called John um, who was one of Jesus' best friends. And he wrote, again, another letter in the New Testament um, instructing um, followers of Jesus. And he said this about God. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. You know, John was saying, if you want to know what love is, you want to describe love, you want to be able to define love, well, God is love. To know God is to know love, that God has always been and will always be a revelation of love, that everything God does is love, is an act of love. And I know our experiences of life, our experiences of love, sometimes our experiences of God can actually make it difficult to understand that God is love, but God is love. Absolutely everything he does is done out of an act of love. To know God is to know love. So hopefully you have the same desire as foreigner when they said, I want to know what love is. Enough of the cheese. We'll stop it there. I think it's getting a bit ridiculous. I want to know what love is. Do you want to know what love is? Is there a way that we can discover what love is? I want you to show me. Well, I can show you what love is this morning because God is love. And there's a perfect, a wonderful, an amazing example of who God is and what love is all about. And we see that in the person of Jesus Christ, that Jesus is the best example of who God is. Jesus is God. Jesus is the best example of what love is all about. That Jesus is God's eternal expression of love into the world. Just as God is love, you know, the whole thing of who Jesus is and what Jesus said and what Jesus did is all about love. Again, John um, wrote one of the, the most famous verse in the Bible and he said this, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. The whole reason why Jesus left the, the glory and the safety of heaven to come to earth, to do all the things that he did, to say all the things that he said, was because of this, love. Because God so loved the world, so God loved you and God loved me, that God loved us, that he sent his only son. And through him, through Jesus, whoever believes in him, whoever has trust in him, whoever has faith in him, doesn't have to perish, but can discover eternal life, overflowing of life, abundance of life, life to the max. And in Jesus, we see this amazing eternal expression of love. We see compassion, we see grace, we see inclusivity, we see challenge, that in all of the things that Jesus Jesus said in all of the things that Jesus did, he showed love, he spoke love, he demonstrated love. And a big way he did that is that Jesus gave value to people who in society were not valued. Jesus gave attention and value and worth to people who were ostracized, who were put on the margins. You know, back in the ancient time, in first century times, if you um, had a physical disability, you were looked down upon. You know, if you couldn't work because of your disability, you were a drain on society and you were sort of left 
left on the side of the road for anybody who would take pity on you. And it was an awful place to be. There was no, you know, um, no support structures or anything like that. And in the midst of that culture, Jesus goes and speaks and gives value and gives attention to people. There was a group of people um, who suffered from this um, skin disease called leprosy. And again, they were ostracized. People were scared that they would catch this disease. Does it sound familiar um, at all? And so we wouldn't have any contact or anything um, with these people. Uh, and you couldn't touch them because you'd be unclean and a part of the whole Jewish culture and washing and ceremonial cleansing. You'd have to remove yourself from, um, from place and all those sort of things. And in the midst of that, Jesus goes up to people like that and he touches them and he lays hands on them and he shows value to them and he heals them. That Jesus was willing to show value to the people who weren't valued. Kids were not valued in that culture or society. But Jesus was cross with his disciples when they stopped, when they stopped kids coming to Jesus. He says, no, let them come to me. My kingdom belongs to such as these. Um, women were not um, valued in that society. And Jesus again shows value and worth and attention, speaking to, to women who were again shunned from society, people who were pushed to the margins. And Jesus just speaks to them, giving them worth, highlighting their cause and highlighting some of their concerns. Uh, other people like tax collectors, if you were a tax collector in that culture, um, similar to now, uh, you, were, you were a friend of foreign, no, back then the tax collectors worked for the Roman Empire, they were the invading, occupying force, and the Jewish people thought they'd sold out, you know, they were giving, taking money from the Jews and giving it to the Romans, uh, and often they were quite corrupt, but again, Jesus shows value and attention, he called one of, the, um, one of the, his disciples, was a tax collector, and he said, you know, stop what you're doing, come and follow, him, follow me. There's a famous story of a, a little guy called Zacchaeus, who wanted to see Jesus, but he was too short, and he couldn't see him, so he climbed a tree to look down so he could see Jesus, and Jesus noticed him, and he spoke to him, and he invited himself to his house for dinner, and he showed value, and he showed worth. What we see constantly through the things that Jesus said and the things that Jesus did is that he is all about love, that he showed love. And following Jesus, for me as a Christian, for me as somebody who believes in Jesus, who's dedicated their life to living it as Jesus would if he was in my situation. That's what a follower of Jesus is all about. Someone who recognizes who Jesus is and says, yeah, I want to live my life for you. I don't want to live my life for myself. I want to do the things that you would want me to do. Following Jesus is all about trying to be like Jesus and live like him. Someone said that following Jesus is about learning to love. Discipleship is all about learning to love God and to love other people. And, you know, love is the central theme of everything that Jesus uh, says and everything that Jesus does. One day, um, some people were trying to trick Jesus about what's the greatest command. There's a whole bunch of commands in the Jewish law, hundreds of them. And they're trying to catch Jesus out, which was the most important one. And they said, Jesus, what's the most important command? And he says, that's easy. It's love. Love God with everything you've got. But before you go, let me give you another command. This is it's just like the first one. You know, if you want to be able to love God with everything you've got, this is how you do it. The, the other command is love your neighbor as yourself. You know, that, the thing that everything is all about, the thing that the whole of the Bible is built on, the thing that the whole um, of faith is built on is this love for God shown through love for other people. And it's something that we're called to do naturally, not um, out of sort of religious observance. If you're a parent, if you're a husband or a wife, you understand this. You know, you love your 
your husband or your wife, you love your kids, not because you're supposed to, not because you have to, not because that's something that is required of you. You do that because you love them. You know, I love my wife, I love my kids, not because I have to, but because I want to. I go out of my way to do things for them, not because I'm supposed to, not because that's what's expected of me or required of me, but because I love them and I want to do those things. That's exactly what we're talking about. That's exactly the love that God has shown to us, that Jesus demonstrates love to us, not because he has to, but because he wants to, because he loves us. So I want to just take a few moments to explore this amazing example of love, of somebody showing love um, to Jesus. Again, John has recorded it um, for us. Let's just have a look at what's going on. Six days before the Passover. Now, this is a, a Jewish festival that's about to happen on Passover. That's the day that Jesus is going to be crucified. He knows what's happening. So just before, in the, in the week of all this sort of this celebration, all the week of this, all this stuff sort of running up um, to Jesus' execution, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Lazarus was a friend of Jesus and he died and he was in a tomb. He'd been there for a few days and Jesus comes and stands on the outside of the tomb and says, Lazarus, come out. And he wakes up and he comes out. He was dead and he was brought back to life and the whole world went crazy. Oh my word, this is amazing uh, what's happening. And people flocked to Jesus to find out more about him. Here, a dinner was given in Jesus' honour. Martha served. If you know anything about Martha, that won't be a surprise that she served. There's a whole story about her doing that. And Martha is um, Lazarus' sister. While Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. So can you picture the scene? You know, there's this big dinner given in honour for Jesus, for this amazing thing that Jesus has done. And, and people are there. Lazarus is there. Martha is busying herself around, making sure everybody's got a drink and everybody's got food. And what would have happened in this culture um, is that if you weren't invited, if you you weren't a guest to come to the, that dinner, you would still come and stand on the outside and watch in. I know it's a little bit strange, but they didn't have Netflix back then. So this was their entertainment. This was the only thing on telly. So the crowds are gathering around and they're, they're sort of watching this thing because they want to get a, an eye of Jesus. They want to see um, who Jesus is. So there they are. They're having this uh, amazing meal. And then Mary. Mary is Lazarus's other sister. She came, she took a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. I'm glad they put that in because I wouldn't know what nard is. She poured it on Jesus' feet and she wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. Now just imagine you're there. Maybe you're one of the honoured guests. Maybe you're one of the people just gawping in on the side. And you see this woman come in and bow down at Jesus' feet and take this whole jar of really expensive perfume and just dump it on Jesus' feet. You think, oh my word, what, what on earth is going on there? That was quite a waste. You know, there's a lot of stuff going on there. Then she takes her hair and she takes her hair down. In that culture, that's a big no-no. Women in public were not allowed to have their hair down. Actually, it was a sign that they were a prostitute. Um, so she, Mary takes her hair down. She doesn't care what people think. She doesn't care what people are saying. She doesn't care about anybody else. Her attention is completely on Jesus. And she pours this perfume over his feet. And then she wipes um, his feet with her hair. And the whole house is filled with a fragrance. And you, and you can smell it. And what's going through your mind as that's, going, um, as that's happening? Now, for those of us who are British, we're probably thinking, well, that's a little bit over the top, isn't it? That's excessive, you know. I'm not even shaking hands with anyone at the moment. And here's Mary uh, do, doing, doing this sort of stuff. It's a public display of affection, and we don't really get on with public displays of affection. Even in this culture that was much more expressive, this is over the top. You know, this is extravagant. It's an unnecessary display of affection. 
Let's read on. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who later betrayed, was to betray him, objected. Now, of course Judas is going to object because Judas is the bad guy. Judas is, Judas is the guy who sold Jesus out, who gave him over to um, the armies, who, who made Jesus get arrested. Of course he's going to object. What is Judas going to have to say that's of any worth? He's a bad guy. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It's worth a year's wages. And actually... For most of us, that's the same question that we'd ask, isn't it? You know, if we were there in the room and we're seeing that happen, that's exactly what we'd ask. Why has she done this? That's a waste. You know, you could have taken that and you could have used it for some good. And that starts to make me feel a little bit uncomfortable because I'm starting to feel that I agree with Judas. The problem here is, is John is writing this way in the future. You know, after Jesus has died, after Jesus has come back to life, after Judas has betrayed Jesus, after Jesus, Judas has hung himself because he'd realised what he'd done, you know, we know that Judas is a bad guy. But back then, Judas is just a guy. Is he always bad in those things? You know, who is right and who is wrong in this situation? It seems such a waste what's happening. Judas has got a point. Let's read on. He did not say this, John records, because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. But Jesus responds, you know, leave her alone, Jesus replied. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. And what we see here is we see two responses. We see two approaches towards Jesus, two postures of discipleship, if you will, Mary and and Judas. And I wonder which one you associate with most. Which one are you more like when it comes to your faith, whatever faith you have in Jesus, whether you believe that he is the son of God or you're not sure or you're just checking out wherever you are on that spectrum of faith. Which example do you most resonate? Which one's most like you? Let's have a look at at Mary. You know, Mary, it was odd what she did. You know, why would she do that? Why would she come and take this big expensive jar of perfume and dump it all over Jesus' feet? Why would she, um, you know, take her hair down and, and wipe that publicly in front of everybody? Why would she humiliate herself in that way? You know, this perfume is really expensive. That would have been like a Mary's nest egg. It would have been an investment, something that she was keeping. It was a security. She wouldn't have had investments in stocks or shares or anything like that. This perfume was something that was her future. You know, one day Mary would hope to be married and and again as part of that that culture you'd give your husband or a wife would give a a future husband a a gift uh, and this perfume may well have been part of her dowry, part of her thing to secure her husband. This is her future. This is her hope. This is her security. She comes and takes it and she dumps it all on Jesus' feet. Why would she do that? that what's wrong with her I watched a TED talk um, recently um, about um, this um, a doctor a psychiatrist a psychologist sorry was trying to understand what happens inside people's brains when they're in love so she found a load of people who are in love and measured their brains in an MRI machine so stuck all these people in an MRI machine and saw, saw what she could learn and she discovered that three things happen three areas of your brain light up when you are in love and those areas are pleasure or, or joy risk and attachment. You know, if you want to know what love looks like, if you want to know what goes on inside your brain, this is what goes on inside your brain. That when you're in love, you experience joy. When you're in love, you take risks. When you're in love, you have this desire for attachment. You know, this is why we do stupid things when we're in love. This is why Mary is doing what she's doing. Why is she taking that? Why is she just dumping all of her future and all of her security onto Jesus' feet? She's in love. 
She's in love, not romantic love, but she sees who Jesus is and she wants to be close to him. And she's filled with joy. She doesn't do this reluctantly. This is pure pleasure for her and pure abandonment. She's willing to risk it all. She's willing to bet the farm on Jesus because she wants to be close to him. That's why Mary does that. That's what's wrong with her. She's in love. Her actions are not logical. You know, they're not thought through. They're not considered. They're spontaneous. Um, love is spontaneous. It's reckless. It causes us to do things that perhaps we might not think through. And what's the opposite to your brain, not, uh, to the opposite of your brain being in love? Well, it's not being in love. And what does that look like? Well, that's like joyless. That's duty. That's safe. That's predictable. And that's what we see going on in, in Judas. You know, that Judas's response is measured, it's predictable, it, it's safe, but it is joyless. You know, his response is, is rule-bound, it's legalistic, it's not free like Mary's response, but it's also not love either. So when it comes to Jesus, and when it comes to your love for Jesus, wherever you are on your spectrum of faith, who are you most like? What is your response most like? Is it like Mary, or is it like Judah. See, the question that I've come to ask you, the question that I want you to consider is how's your love life? How is your love life? You know, what risks are you taking in your faith? For those of you who are, are, are followers of Jesus, what risks are you taking to demonstrate and declare that love that you have for Jesus? Risks like Callum standing up here in front of friends and family to declare his love for Jesus, to get baptised, to publicly declare his faith in front of people. What risks um, are you taking? You know, risks like, as we heard on, on the video from Jack Ely about people who are giving up their time, giving up their Saturday mornings to go and help people people in need to go and sort out someone's house or to cook meals or, or to care for people, you know, taking those risks, putting your, your life on the line, putting your time on the line, you know, risks like actually at the end of the month, instead of coming to church and sitting in a row, going outside and picking up litter uh, and blessing the community, you know, what risk are you taking for your faith? I remember a few years ago, many years ago, when I was 18, about five or six years ago, um, I went off to Liverpool um, to be part of this like, street mission thing. We went um, to some of the poorest areas um, in Liverpool and uh, we ran youth groups and just got to know um, some of the young people and work alongside them. And we built up a great rapport, great connection um, with some of these young people. Uh, and I was chatting with one of them, or a few of us were chatting with some of them, and they were like, oh, this is great, your job's so cool. How much do you get paid? And we looked at them and said, we don't get paid to do this. In fact, we had to pay to come here. And they were totally blown away by that. Totally like, why on earth would you do that? Why on earth would you come to this place if you're not getting paid? Why would you pay to come here? And we thought about it and looked at them and said, well, I guess it's because we love you. And I know that sounds a bit weird, and I know it sounds a bit mushy and a bit wet, but something happened in that room as we said that, as we looked at those scouts and said, I love you. I didn't say it like that. That's a little bit weird. You know, as we just said that, actually, something happened. You know, barriers came down. You know, walls came down. And bridges were built. And actually, people realised, wow, this is the power 
of love, that it does change people's lives. It is transformative, and something amazing happened. Why would we do that? Why would we go out of our way? Why would we do that, not out of obedience, but out of joy? Why would you do that? Why would you seek to make a difference in someone's life? Why would you seek to put yourself on the line, to use of your time and your, your money, your gifts, your skills? Why would you put your reputation on the line, or, or what people might think about you, and do that joyfully, not because it's something that's expected of you, not because it's something that you're supposed to do, not out of obedience, but out of love. Why would you do that? Well, it's just because of love. There's another bit in the New Testament in a book called Hebrews that says this. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him enjoyed the cross. For the joy set before him, Jesus was willing to be nailed to a cross. For joy, Jesus was willing to be tortured and crucified and rejected. That Jesus was willing to give up his life and endure all of that pain and all of that suffering and all of that humiliation. Joyfully, not out of obedience, not because that was the right thing to do, not because that's what his father expected of him, not because that's, you know, this is what I'm supposed to do and this is my job. No, he did it willingly and he did it joyfully. Why? Because he was in love. And who was he in love with? You. That he loves you and he loves me. Whoever we are, whatever we think, whatever we believe, whatever we do. Jesus did that because of love, because he's in love with you. And he invites you to love him back. That Jesus sets us an example to follow. Not out of obedience, not out of duty, but out of joy, out of love. And the whole point is that when we truly love God, we can joyfully love others. You know, when we truly love God, we can joyfully love others. Let's get the band back on stage and, and just think for a moment about how do we do that? You know, how do we show that love to God this week? How do we demonstrate that love to other people? You know, God said, Jesus said, if you want to love God, the way you do that is through loving other people. And the whole point of this is not you do that dutifully. You don't do that religiously. You don't do that out of obedience or because you have to or because you're supposed to. You do it because it's something that you wanted to. How do you do that? What does that look like for you? And the simple question is, know God. Because to know God is to know love. Yeah, there's a bunch of things that we can do and a bunch of rules that we can follow. Don't fall into the baptistry. That would be really embarrassing at this time. You know, there's a load of stuff that we could do. But the whole point is, know God. You know, when we truly love God, we can joyfully love others. You know, a love for God that doesn't move you towards a love for others isn't love. It's duty, it's religion, it's obligation. That's not love at all. How can you demonstrate this love this week? You know, the world uh, is in crisis. Our community is in crisis. And people, it brings out the worst in some people, doesn't it, in us. It can bring out anxiety and fear. It can bring out selfishness. What does it look like for you to demonstrate love to your community this week? How can you show love to people this week? You know, how can you, perhaps you could go um, to your, your neighbours, some of the most vulnerable people who live close to you and let them know that you're there for them. You know, not wait for them to come to you and ask for help and then respond, but actually go to them and say, I'm here if you need. You know, whatever you need. If you need me to do shopping for you, I'll do shopping for you. If you need me to do something for you, I will do that for you. You know, I'll take that risk. I'll do that joyfully. Why? Well, because I've been loved in this way and I want to be able to love like that. You know, instead of stockpiling toilet rolls, why don't we stockpile hope and share that 
and be willing to be ambassadors of love to people? Why don't we be a voice of optimism, a voice of hope, a voice of light and love in a community that is desperate for it, where people are full of fear, where people are full of anxiety, and, and what people do is just turn inwards and look to themselves and cling and hold on to? Why don't we just stand with our arms open and say, how can I love you? How can I help you? How can I be a voice of hope and life and light into your life this week? Let's stand together. Let's pray together. Father God, I thank you that you are love. And in you, we experience the fullness of love. Whether we understand it, whether we know who you are, we can see love in you. And I pray, Lord, that you'd help us experience that love, that you'd help us take those steps closer to you, wherever we are on the spectrum of faith, whether we know you or whether we're not even sure you exist, help us take a step towards you to experience that love that you have shown us. And as we feel that and as we experience that, help us share that, not out of duty, not out of obligation, but joyfully. Help us take risks because of the love that you have shown us. Help us be a voice of hope, a voice of optimism. Help us be examples, living examples of your love into this world. Let us bring peace and hope and joy and light and life into our communities this week. Thank you, Lord.